Welcome to the Park County Dugout Podcast. Today's guest is Nate Parsegian, the athletic director at Park High. Uh, hi, Nate. How are you doing? Good, Jeff. How are you? I'm okay. Um, you're good friends with Brooke Weimer. Yeah, I've got to know Brooke really well over the last several years. When she was the Booster Club president. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, good news. She retired last year, but came back. Yeah, right? Yeah. Can't, can't get out of it. Uh, can't. <laughs> Lily's gone, and she's staying, sticking with it. So she's going to spend another year as the uh, Booster Club president. But... Uh, her day job is a realtor, and uh, as such, she's sponsoring today's episode, along with another realtor, Peg Sunling. And uh, you live up in Bozeman. I do, yeah. I uh, drive the hill. Yeah. Well, Brooke has a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath condo for sale, uh, 1,500 square feet. It's $549,900. Uh, if you... Uh, are interested in that or want to look uh, look elsewhere for some property, you can contact Brooke at 406-556-6809. And Peg Sundling, who's with Berkshire Hathaway, she has a plot of land out in Shields Valley. Um, no house, just land for you, Nate. Yeah, you how can- much? Well, she has one property that's $11,200,000. That's, that's pocket cash, cash for, for Bruce Lay. But, you know, it might sure be it's a stretch. beautiful piece of land. Holy moly. Yeah. And, but she does have another piece of land in Clyde Park um, uh, that's for sale. Also, no house on it. Um, so give Peg suddenly a call at 406 222 5590. Uh, Park High is nice enough to host us today um, overlooking the cafeteria and the gymnasium. Who is that down there? Yeah, you're looking at Coach Han and uh, Coach Burns. And it's about to get loud in here because the bell's going to ring for the second lunch in just a few moments. Um, So we'll hear all the kids coming into lunch, and the PE class is going to get out here as soon as that bell rings. Um, Coach Han. Yeah, he's a wrestling coach, and he re- recently resigned. Uh, who's you hiring in his place? So um, we we just <clears throat> sent through the paperwork um, to hire Linton Jet uh, as our new head wrestling coach. Linton has been an assistant coach with us for quite a while now, both in uh, wrestling and football. So we interviewed him a few weeks ago, and he just did a great job and. Excited to have him around now in uh, in the head coaching role, so he'll be taking over wrestling starting up here pretty soon. He's uh, is he gonna if you know is he gonna keep his uh, his responsibilities with the uh, little guy wrestling? My understanding is he's gonna do as much as he can still with little guy. You know the way the seasons go. Uh, essentially, right when high school season ends, that's when that re- little guy really starts to to pick up. Um, I know that his wife is very involved in Little Guy as well. She does a lot of the work behind the scenes and, and in the scenes too. Um, but my understanding, and you'd have to ask Linton to be for sure, but that he wants to still be involved with Little Guy as much as he can too. 
Um, yeah, his wife is Dorothy, and she organizes and is the uh, the wrestling mom for a little guy. Um, are you going to, going to uh, offer wrestling over um, Sleeping Giant once again this mm-hmm. year? Yep. Um, my understanding is you're going down to sixth grade. Correct. Yep. We'll have uh, sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. So all three grades over at SGMS, boys and girls. Um, we'll have the opportunity to join the wrestling team. Uh, and that's getting started here real soon. Those guys are already doing open mats. And uh, they're in the kind of late fall, early winter season. So if, if that's something that one of those students is interested in, right now is the time to get started on that. They, um, uh, Matt Diatori is uh, the coach. Correct. Um, and Matt's also, well, he was an assistant coach with, uh, with uh, the wrestling program. Yep. Yep. We will assume he carry on those duties this year. Yep. Again, and that's the plan that he'll, you know, kind of devote his uh, October, November time really into the middle school. And then come December, when we get started here at the high school, he'll kind of shift over here the way those seasons work. Um, for listeners who don't know you, um, you've been the athletic director here for, for some time. I'll let you tell us how long you have been. But um, last year, you were um, given the Class A Athletic Director of the Year Award, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Um, go ahead and tell us a little about a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I got the accepted the AD position here um, at Park High School in the fall of 2019, and uh, so this now is my fifth school year here. And um, before I was here in Livingston, I was uh, a school counselor and coach at Belgrade High School for a couple years, actually for four years. And, um, and then before all that, kind of born and raised in Ohio and uh, was a collegiate uh, place kicker. So have some student athlete uh, you know, time in my background as well, which is really what got me interested in being an, an AD. And um, yeah, I can't believe it's been five years now that I've been doing this here. It's kind of flown by, but, but yeah, here I am. Um, what college did you uh, go to? Went to Miami of Ohio or Miami University, which a, a lot of people hear and kind of scratch their head because uh, you think of Miami, Florida. But an interesting thing is Miami, Ohio was a university for the story they say is nearly 100 years before Florida was uh, kind of got its statehood. Uh, you're kind of shaking your head at that too, I know, but let's just let's just go. Here's the facts: Miami University in Ohio existed before Miami of Florida, uh, but obviously one's more recognizable than the other. But yes, I went to Miami of Ohio. That's in the southwest region of Ohio. What's their nickname? Uh, the Red Hawks. Oh, yep. I was thinking, I was thinking of somebody else, and I can't can't think of their nickname either. Green something. Probably the Ohio University Bobcats, they're green. It might have been. Um, and is there any relation between you and ERA Parsegian? Yeah, so ERA, who passed away probably six or seven years ago now, he was in his 90s. Uh, ERA is my 
great uncle, my grandfather's brother. And um, so that was really exciting as a kid. That kind of made me a Notre Dame fan by default and just love that. I still got a little bit of that in my blood. I can't get rid of it. I went actually was in South Bend for the Notre Dame USC game last Saturday. Oh wow. Great yeah. game awesome great game, game to watch. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Williams was uh, reduced to uh, well piss poor play because he he was hounded all day by that defense. You know the the, the game plan and they executed it was to put pressure on him but to keep him in the pocket. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did because when he gets flushed out of the pocket, that's when he makes plays. So they pressured him while keeping contain, and that was a good disciplined approach, um, you know, aggressive but disciplined, and, and, and it worked. So We have uh, Notre Dame in common because uh, growing up in the mid, mid, Midwest, uh, I followed Notre Dame. I loved Notre Dame. And uh, your great uncle was uh, a tremendous coach, one of the one of the greatest coaches they've ever had. Uh, I think Lou Holtz, following later on his, in his footsteps, did an equally good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Eric uh, Parsegian, he coached for Notre Dame, right? Correct, yeah, from no, Lane. No, from, okay. I'm, I apologize, at Northwestern. Yep, his, yeah, his route, his route was uh, actually Miami, Ohio. He was the head coach at Miami, Ohio. He played at Miami, Ohio, was the head coach at Miami, Ohio. Um, was an assistant under Woody Hayes uh, before Woody Hayes went to Ohio State. So Era was the head coach at Miami, Ohio after Woody Hayes left. Uh, was there for a few years, really successful. Got the then head coaching job at Northwestern. Um, I think at one point had achieved the number one AP ranking at Northwestern, um, which is you know kind of unheard of, you know it being not really a football school, um, and then kind of took some of that success and had the Notre Dame job from I think 1963 to 1974 or 75 I believe, and uh, unfortunately I wasn't alive for any of those years, but I've heard quite a bit about it. Um. Well, you have a football coach now who, uh, at least uh, in character, mirrors uh, the great football coaches of of all time, Coach Nick Cope. Um, And two weeks ago, you guys had a a setting unlike no other. You got to play in Bobcat Stadium. Yeah, that was awesome. How did that come about? It was awesome. You know, when, when we went to um, when we went to the independent scheduling model, it it opened up some flexibility in our in our schedule to you know pick who we'd play and where we would play, and so we I, I suppose we you know used that to our advantage. And when we discussed finding a date to play against Butte Central, which we saw would be a we thought would be a good matchup for both schools, both Class A varsity teams. Um, that would be a really good competitive game. And we thought, you know, what would be a good way to make this game just a little bit more special? You know, a little, what, what could we do to make it both communities really, you know, excited about it and, and want to see it? And the idea came up of looking into Bobcat Stadium. So uh, 
Really, once we picked the date being October the 6th, we reached out to MSU. I have some contacts in the facilities department at MSU. And I, I asked the guys there, I said, what would it take to rent the stadium for the night? And the facilities director at MSU said, well, any, anything for the football stadium has to go through the head coach, Brett Vegan. And so he said he would run it up the chain. And I just kind of waited with my fingers crossed. And about a half hour later, um, the facilities guy, Chris Hayden is his name. He called me back. He said, hey, Vegan gave it the go ahead. And, you know, that was great. You know, Brett Vegan has been, uh, he's been in the school at least once or twice. Um, he's come out here and met with coach and, you know, discussed uh, some athletes that we have coming up that could be prospects. But also he's aware of, you know, our, our football program and some of our, um, I suppose, you know, struggles that we've had in trying to reestablish or really establish Park High football. And uh, so we're just really grateful that he gave it the thumbs up, said let's do it. And then it blew me away. You know, we thought maybe a couple hundred fans, maybe 300 fans would come. You know, maybe if Butte brought 100 and if we had 200 since it was a little closer. Uh, but by the time we counted the number of tickets sold, the money that was, um, you know, taken there at the gate, we had uh, over 700 fans uh, in the stands. And so it just, just blew us away at how, you know, how awesome that, that event was. And then for the game to be competitive all the way to the fourth quarter like that, you know, it, it hurts to lose. And that's how it's supposed to feel. It's supposed to hurt when you lose. And, uh, but to be in a competitive game and, and be right there to the end, it was an awesome experience for, for our community and, and for the kids from Butte as well. <clears throat> In fact, uh, it wasn't decided until there were 54 checks left, left on the clock. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was an incredible game. Um, you are always so busy with your athletic duties, uh, with field responsibilities, that when you're at home, you don't get a chance to really watch the games, whether it be a soccer game, football game, basketball, volleyball, you're running in and out. You're always making sure everything and everybody is okay or taken care of. Mm -hmm. Up at Bobcat Stadium, yeah, that was you nice. didn't have any, yeah. well, you had responsibilities, but you didn't have field responsibilities per se. Sure. And you got a chance to watch the game. And my, my son, William, who, who I brought on the field with me for the game uh he kept saying is that a coach is that a coach <laughs> when talking about you because come the fourth quarter i don't know if you realized it but you were screaming yeah. as a fan you were on yeah. the sidelines screaming for the defense to make a play screaming for the offense to make a play it, it didn't matter who yeah you know uh that was a nice kind of switch in duty where uh, I, I wasn't managing the facility. That was great. MSU had several people that they, you know, had their uh, making sure that everything was good with the facility and the lights were on and the everything was good. You know, a lot of times I'm getting called in different directions during a game if there's a toilet that's running or if yeah. there's a, a referee locked out of their locker room or, you know, anything that might happen. A lot of people drop cell phones or things under the bleachers and I'm crawling down there looking for stuff and I miss a lot of the game. But this was a nice opportunity that I got to really engage in, in the game and in the moment. And you know, one of the things that I, as I kind of really got into it, 
uh, on the sideline and felt like I was a part of it is, you know, our coaches are coaching the team and, and they're going to make all those decisions about what to do and what situations. I want to have no influence at all on that. Those guys, that's their role. Um, but one of the things you can do on the sidelines is, you know, try to inspire the defense to make a stop on third down. You know, it helps if you call out if it's a run or a pass, you know, if if the offense for the other teams on the field and they hand it off and you're screaming run, 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 you know, that can help the defensive linemen or the linebackers if they're unable to see what happens. So I want to try to help in any way we could there. And then, you know, when I was on the field, you know, we made two huge special teams plays. Well, I'd take that three blocked punt for a touchdown. Uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown and then executed an onside kick and uh, that was a uh, part of the game that I was most uh, a part of when I was a player and a coach and so I loved to see that to see us execute those plays like that it was really exciting um, and lastly you touched on the amount of people that showed up but <clears throat> I was stunned I have to be just and happily stunned by the student body. It was middle of the first quarter, if not near the end of the first quarter. All of a sudden, I looked up, and there had to be over 200 kids from Park High at that game cramming into the student section as one. I, mean, I was, what's Aiden's last name? Uh, Higgins, yeah, yeah. A Aiden Higgins, uh, the videographer for right. for the guys that are doing an independent study here at Park High. Um, Aiden and I were together, and I said, "Look at that! Is that is that Park High?" Because I didn't have my ultra zoom with me, and sure. he did. Yeah, and he said, "No, it's not Park High." I said, "I think it is." Yeah, zoom in on him, and he did. He zoomed yeah. in and put down his camera and looked at me and goes, Jesus, I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was just an outpouring of, of of fans to come to that game. It it was it like I said, it blew me away when we estimated how many people we thought would come, uh, versus, you know, who really showed up. It was just it it was amazing. I've never felt like I said, never felt so good after losing a football game. Yeah. And, and because really that, that's what it's about is, you know, you want to create opportunities for our kids to compete in, a, in an atmosphere like that. And the community support that we get, you know, we get great fans out at our field when, when we're down by 40 points in the past in the fourth quarter. And, and to give those guys something to watch where there we are with the onside kick recovery, the kick return, the whole thing. It, it was just awesome. It was incredible. And, uh, and then the other thing is everyone got to come on the field after the game and take pictures and really enjoy that moment and, and, and be on the field. And, you know, not many, not many high school students get that opportunity to play on, on that field. And, and our kids got to do that. That's what uh, Coach Colt mentioned on the, uh, on the Dugouts podcast is – Let's face it, you don't have Division One players who are going to go up to that, that level and be able to play in the field. And it was a real treat for the kids to be able to experience that. Yeah. So um, hats off for that. But more importantly, hats off for 
what you've done for the football team. Um, that had to be hard, a hard decision, first of all. But all the players I've talked to, and that's all that matters is the players, uh, fans, parents, in the big scheme of things, to me at least, they don't matter. The players are so happy that you went to an independent schedule this year. They feel the games are competitive. They knew that they couldn't play with Billing Centro. They knew that they couldn't play with Harv, Laurel. Um, not yet. And they want to be in games that are competitive. They want to win. They've done that twice this year yeah. already. Um, so what went through the uh, what went through your mind when you decided to go uh, into an independent schedule? Sure. Well, you know, one thing that's unique to football is it's a numbers game, and you got to have a lot of kids. You got to have a lot of boys that come out to play football to have a, to be able to field every single position to field a, a, a you know a two deep roster. And uh, you need upperclassmen, you know, who have played for years, and then you need to develop the younger guys and not just throw them out in situations that they're not ready for. And I, I know, I've seen it, and I believe that we have the skills and abilities within, you know, our small number of players. You know, we have about 25 or so kids right now out in football. And those kids, those 25 kids com could compete with 25 kids from Billing Central. Or they could compete with 25 kids from Laurel or the other schools that you mentioned. You know, the, 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 the issue that we found was when we're putting 25 kids in uniform out on the field, you know, in East Helena, East Helena has 88 football players. And so when the other team's got 88 kids to choose from and you talk about the things that happen in a football season of injuries and, you know, uh, just the attrition of a team... Um, when you're starting both on offense, defense, and special teams, it's, it's, we, we couldn't, that's where we couldn't compete, is we couldn't compete with the numbers. And so, um, you know, when it really came down to making that decision and discussing that with, with our administration and, and kind of presenting it in front of the board last year and talking with our conference of what it could look like, um, to me it was, what it really came down to is we want to play varsity football games against other teams that are going to be in a similar you know total numbers standpoint us and you look at big timber they had about 30-ish kids in uniform butte central at around 30 or so cole strip tomorrow night's going to have about the same number and uh, i mean this is it's varsity football and it's good competitive football it's seniors juniors sophomores and freshmen and um you know I'd love to, for us to get to a point where we have 50 kids in the program, and I think that's what it might take to really jump back into class, uh, into the Eastern A, and, and be competitive in that. And, and we're going to go for that. Um, you know, but right now with the number that we have coming out and, and where we are, I'm super proud of those kids because, man, they stepped up when it was tough. You know, they didn't quit. They, they stuck with it. And um, just really proud of those kids that are – putting on the purple uniform for us and going out there and representing us and themselves and doing such a great job. And tomorrow night is, you mentioned, uh, Cold Strip. It's at home and it's singing. Yep. Um, let's switch gears. Talk a little bit about um, next or this weekend uh, up in Kalispell State Championship for cross country. Mm -hmm. And uh, Finn, 
going for a top five. Yeah, Finn Schrettenthaler still, uh, you know, last year as a freshman, he, he went up to the state meet last year and ran the best race of his life, you know, and, and that's great when an athlete performs their very best when it's needed the most. And, you know, I know he's got high aspirations of going up there to Kalispell this weekend and doing a great job. Um, you know, we've got a, a great team, again, the defending, you know, we're the defending state champions that we're, you know, going up there with. And, um, you know, I, I think we finished um, third place. The boys did at the divisional last week. And I, I wouldn't count our guys out. You know, I wouldn't count our team out. They, they've gotten better and better and better as the year's gone on. And uh, I think they're going to step up and do a great job this weekend. I think <clears throat> Laurel surprised everybody by winning. Winning sure. divisionals. That, that, I, I know that uh, it was one of the coaches' goals to stay with them and try to beat them. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, Finn, however, he's running so well. Uh, are you going up to Kalispell? Um, I'm not going to make yeah. it up to Kalispell this year. I've been to Rebecca Farm uh, for the meet back in 21. It's a, it's a great venue. It's a great place. It's really far away. But, uh, no, I've got my kids. My kids are, you know, they got sports on Saturday. And so I'm going to have to catch up on the results. I was really glad to be able to be at the divisional race, but I won't be at the, at the state race. That's a neat uh, venue uh, where you're – are you using that? It's Matt Pearson, uh, the old uh, soccer coach, uh, Lady Ranger soccer coach. It's mm -hmm. his farm. Yep. Um, are you using that permanently or just as a trial or it was just available for you yeah, this you know, year? This year we did it, I would say, we did it as a trial to see if it was something we would want to keep doing. And uh, I don't know that we've concluded. I know we've concluded it was awesome. It was a great venue, great, great uh, setting for a cross-country race. Uh, Matt Pearson was so generous in the way that he essentially just opened up that, you know, property to us to do that. And we are very much, uh, we walked away from it going, geez, we should do this all the time. The, the biggest drawback is when you don't have facilities, you know, for restrooms and announcing and, you know, some of the amenities that we have right here on campus. Uh, you know, we have to take all that stuff remotely out there to, to do that. So it's a little bit more... You know, heavy lifting to make it happen, uh, but when you see the race occur, you're like, man, I think it's worth it. So we absolutely are highly considering running more races out there. Um, the kids loved it. The, just like, in case yeah. you haven't already heard from them, they absolutely loved it. They, That's good to hear. They thought it was a natural cross country meet because it was. It, you had. Cow, uh, cow pastures, you had the flatland where hay was grown, and you had uh, a couple hills. And the finish, especially, uh, had the, about a quarter of a mile left, has a uphill, strong uphill finish, mm -hmm. and levels out to even playing field. Uh, but there was, the kids, the kids struggled, and yet they had fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's what cross country is supposed to be. You know, it's. I think we've gotten talked a little bit about this when we hosted there the first time back in August. Of, 
maybe we got a little spoiled having just running on golf courses and fairways. And, and here's some different elements and the way that Kirk was able to, Kirk Lentz, our coach, to, you know, take that and you go kind of down a tree line along this little stream, you know, which is kind of cool. And then you pop up in this alfalfa field and you're kind of out in the open and then kind of figure eight your way back. It had a little bit of everything, uphill, downhill, flat. Um, it just was, it was just right. And, you know, again, that was Matt Pearson being generous to say, come on and do it. And then, and then Kirk Lentz to having the vision of how to, how that whole thing would play out. And then to see it kind of in two seasons, you know, we out there in the hot dog days of summer in August where we needed that shade on that stretch under the willows and then to do it again on kind of a cold, dreary uh, fall day and and be able to, um, you know, experience it there is what a setting, really awesome. Kind of a cold, kind of a cold dreary day. It was, a, it was a winter day. I was expecting <laughs> snow flurries any minute. Um, Let's talk a little bit about soccer. Uh, Coach Dickerson and uh, his boys went up to Whitefish, and uh, Isaac Winfrey did not give up a goal. Uh, 11 shots until the 72nd minute, he finally caved a little bit. Um, Two to nothing, final score. Mm -hmm. Dickerson told me it was their best match by far of the year. that's how, if you're going to lose, how you want to go out, playing For your sure. very best. Um, you didn't travel up there nope, either, nope. but uh, you had a chance to talk to Coach, didn't you? I did, yeah, and, and got updates on the game as it was going. You know, uh, Whitefish, you know, that program, I think, had won four consecutive state championships. Uh, we were... Yeah, they did. We were fortunate. Right, we were fortunate last year to uh, kind of disrupt their streak, but there's no doubt that they've got a program. Uh, they've got a program, and they're humming right along. And I believe that we entered that game against them. They're an undefeated team, number one seed from the Northwest. And um, I mean, you know, and again, like I mentioned with Finn, you know, he runs his best races when it's most important. My, from what I heard, the report on that game was we 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 played our best when we needed it the most, and uh, so Whitefish did come out victorious, and you know they'll be the odds-on favorite to win the state championship here in the next two weeks. Uh, but I'm glad that we didn't, uh, you know, just make it easy for them. Um, Columbia Falls lost, and mm-hmm. uh, Lone Peak won. Mm-hmm. So you got to root for Lone, Lone Peak. Um, uh, and in the girls, Laurel and Building Central are both out, and Lockwood mm-hmm. yep. is in. Yeah, two new schools kind of making their way into the semifinals and, you know, rivals for us in the season. Um, but I think when it comes to postseason, we like to see our, our conference, you know, do well. Uh, sometimes I feel like we have a little bit of an East versus West uh, mentality in Class A, and uh Love to see the East shine uh, when it comes to playing against the Western teams. What do you think has um, uh, helped, I guess, um, Lockwood in the sense of it's just four years. They're mm-hmm. a new school. Yeah. Across the board, they're starting to really be good yeah. and competitive. Has money helped? Has uh, 
just a bigger town and more athletes available? What is it? You know, I, I'll go back to like I talked about with football, the numbers game. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the exact figures of their enrollment, but I know that they opened that school. They built some beautiful facilities between their auditorium, their gym, their football stadium. The school in general has a little bit of a feeling of a, almost like a little college. And uh, I think it was a really nice draw for them to pull from some kids, you know, either through open enrollment or, um, you know, ninth graders coming up and, or families making a decision on where to move and where they want to live. Is, you know, Locke would be a really nice, nice school to go to. And so they have huge numbers. Uh, they have more students enrolled in that school, certainly, than we do here. And, and I think that's a huge benefit when you, have, when you have the student body population to help fill those rosters with good, talented players. That's, that's been one of the things that they've been great at. And, you know, their, their athletic director, Mike Erickson's a friend of mine, colleague, and he does a fantastic job. He's, he's one of the best. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to see the success that they've had here uh, right as they've filled all four classes. You know, right when they, they started out with just freshmen and sophomores, and they were kind of getting beat up on by some schools that have older kids. Well, now they're, they're all the way through with seniors all the way down and and you're right, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East. <clears throat> they're paying, paying back some of those schools. For sure. Beat down. For sure. <clears throat> um, you have a uh, new basketball coach coming in. Mm-hmm. Scott Roseberg. Yep, Scott. Um, what do you look for in him and for the program? Sure. You know, um, you know, the program, um, you know, we've, we've had some down years the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I think programs see that. You kind of see the ebb and flow and the wave of, you know, good times and tough times as far as, you know, certainly where the scoreboard is. You know, I think that one of the things that we have had is stability that's been good throughout all this is, you know, Lane Glaus was a great coach that we had. Kyle Nybauer stepped in and, and – you know, really did a great job as well. Um, I mean, the, the program's been in good leadership throughout. And and uh, in, in where we are at right now in going through that hiring process and looking for a new coach is really seeing the need to develop basketball from a young age all the way on up for us to be able to compete in our conference. And I, and I think Scott brings that. I think he brings the, um, the knowledge, the experience, of, of uh, developing a program from a young age on up. And it's going to take time. It's going to take some time. I don't think that we're just going to jump right in there and, and um, you know, just take over immediately. But I do think that, that we'll lay a foundation here of, of good basketball and, and, and be right back in the mix here within the next couple of years. Uh, Coach Burns is over there. Hello. Letting yourself into the <laughs> zero league. 